the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Now, when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague, and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague, well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well, unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm and if you got a better <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run but half the docks were busy overseas with world war one today we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away super damn important that we practice isolation because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. The Tom Summer Program.com. From the Tom Summer Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. And um, in a, in a uh, book that actually um, is called A Rare San Francisco Conservative, um, it's, in many ways, it's, it's a letter to progressives by my guest this hour, who is an entrepreneur, investor and lifelong educator david parker joins me by phone good morning david welcome to the show good morning tom glad to be here 
Um, let me let me ask. You've done a number of of different things, but why the title? A rare San Francisco conservative, or, or actually, the book is called a. Um, is it just a San Francisco conservative? Yes. Uh, yes. Take the rare out. And this I, is and this is book two. This is book two. I got the title by talking to uh, people, and I just and someone says that's a good title. So I was going to put in parentheses, not that conservative. People said, no, it's understood. It's a good title. It's funny. Don't change it. Leave it alone. <laughs> so it's not a rare San Francisco conservative. Um, turns out that I'm not alone, and it's not crazy. I'm not crazy right wing. But I'm Do you consider yourself a conservative, David? I'm not sure. I'm a member of the ACLU. I'm a, I'm a member of the Democratic Party. I don't always vote Democrat anymore. I'm socially and politically very liberal, and I just know too much about business, and I went back to school as an adult <laughs> and took 67 units of math, <coughs> math and economics and government straight, got a master's degree in economics. You can't do that and just be remain a utopian liberal. You just can't do that. You just... I just know too much now, so I'm a little bit. I'm a well, little bit, I'm disciplined when it comes to the economy. We shouldn't be spending more than we take in. Are Are you living out that that old adage that that says if you're not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart, and if you're not a conservative when you get older, you have no brains? That's it. You're talking to him. <laughs> Hippie in the sixties, uh, and. Uh, Smoking my pipe and my brandy in my <laughs> in my 70s <laughs> is now. I'm not sure which which is weirder, um, being a jazz bass player and conservative, or living in San Francisco and being conservative. Well, you could say both, but I have to say I've been very successful in business. But then, for the very same reason, I've been very successful in teaching. I taught 40 years, inner-city schools. Then I couldn't get enough. I volunteered for 10 more years for free, but never full-time. I couldn't afford a teacher's salary, and I couldn't do my business. And then I'm very serious about music, and it's jazz improv, and it's not a lounge act. We play really serious uh, jazz composers, Eric Dolphy and Ornette Coleman and... Charles Mingus and I playing tomorrow night, in fact, at Bear Bottle Brewery in San Francisco, if you're in town. I have some of the best musicians in town, and uh, I keep a, an edge on that group. That it, that they're to, I guess that's what I'm talking about. The edge is the improv in my, in my life and in my, in, in my jazz. Uh. Well, I used, to, I used to joke that, um, you know, if I was playing a gig and... and uh, if I made a mistake, I would just play it again, and people would would think I was playing jazz. There you are. <laughs> if I'm on the set and a waiter drops a pile of dishes, crash! I'll point to the drummer. Hit your cymbal. <laughs> I point to the sax. Take it from there. That's our piece right there. We right in the moment is uh, I 
business is that way, my teaching is that way, and my writing is that way. My editor is furious that I don't have an outline. I had a friend who passed away a few years ago, but he was, was a wonderful keyboardist, played, played a Hammond and kicked bass pedals and all that. And um, he worked a lot in, in lounges, but he used to do this really fun uh, uh, kind of a barn burner blues swing thing, and he would sing the menu. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And and it was a great gag, and he did it every place he played. He would take their menu and, and just <laughs> sing it to, to this uh, song and, and work it into, you know, sort of a break song. But it was a way of um, promoting the the restaurant and its food and, and also just having a little fun with something. Right. Just improvise in the moment. And whatever is in front of you, just make that work. Life, everything in life is interconnected. Now, um, David, this is book two, a San yes. Francisco conservative. There's book one and book two, and as I understand, it's a collection of essays. Uh, yeah, there's a serious opening in which I discuss conservatism the historical um, and scholarly perspective. Edmund Burke, first great conservative, says he watched the French Revolution and he warned the English in his famous book, uh, Revolution in France, don't do that. Don't do a French Revolution in England. Things need changing, fine, reform, but don't knock down institutions that took hundreds, if not thousands of years to build, because you can do that in a day. And then you've got to wait another hundred or a thousand years to rebuild them. Don't knock things down so fast. Conserve. That is the essence of conservatism. And I open up the book with a quote from C.S. Eliot. Time past, time present, time future, it's the same. Don't be so smart and think you have something new. I love to read the Greeks, 5th century B.C., 1st century Rome, 18th century Age of Enlightenment, three great periods in Western civilization, or you could say in the world, and they talk like us. They're Aristotle, if I didn't tell you I'm reading Aristotle, you say, who's that? That's who, they sound like us. They think like us. They talk like us. It's, it's frightening. I tremble when I read that stuff. It's really reaffirming that that's the truth. But they had on my, but they had in mind. We have in mind, and we shouldn't be so quick to think we have something new. That's conservatism. Now you spent forty years teaching. Were you teaching music? Uh, yeah, and I was teaching uh, almost the same age group. And I, this is a negative thing to say, but I know what. When I started in 1970, what my standards were, what I taught for the year. And by the year 2000, my disbelief, I had cut my requirements in half. And that is a perfect metaphor for the, the United States public education, or education why, in general. Why do you think that that is, David? Is it um, parents aren't challenging their kids? Uh, 
though it's uh, here's where I'm going to get in trouble right now. <laughs> as, a, as a conservative, the, somehow the multiculturalists, the nation guided the nation to buy into the theory that black, Latin, Native American are not doing well in school, and the test scores are there to prove it. You can't deny that they're very low in general, not particular. And, uh, and it's because of a Eurocentric curriculum and Eurocentric standards, even of behavior in the classroom, that uh, we don't appreciate students yelling out. We don't see it as part of the gospel tradition. And those teachers don't be sending students to the office for misbehaving or not doing their work or send them home. You deal with it. And teachers got very good at dealing with it. It's called classroom management. You can go to the roughest schools in the nation anywhere. The kids are not running around. Those teachers really have it in control. That's a career, classroom management. And teachers realize, after all, whoa, that is what we are doing. Can't do two careers at the same time. So, so you can't manage behavior and teach at the same time? Teach at a, at a, very, at a high creative level. Exactly. And um, that's it. We're catering to the nation. Everyone's included. Everyone is going to succeed in life. And we do that by the way Cuba does it. Everyone is equal. And, and everyone's living in the Middle Ages. And our public schools are, are in the Middle Ages. We, don't, we can't compete. Silicon Valley in San Francisco is furious at Donald Trump for the immigration control. We're not employing Americans. We're employing people from India and, and Asia. Um, we can't stop that immigration. We, we're, not, we're not hiring Americans. That's how serious it really is. I'm going to get in trouble for that. But that's, well, that's, but, <laughs> but David, aren't they Americans too? I'm saying immigrants. Silicon Valley, where I live, they, they're paying astronomical salaries, and we're not, can't, we can't pay astronomical salaries if you're not really uh, well educated and know what you're doing. But but you said something a moment ago that that got my attention about we're you know we're we're teaching the way they were teaching um, the 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 Europeans that. That take credit for settling this country. No, no, Europe. No, Europeans have a very high system of education because they're poorer than we are. And most Europeans today, that's not quite true. But historically, Europeans didn't go to college except those but, who were. Really but you, you said something that sounded like we weren't being inclusive in our curriculum for a multicultural society. Correct. And so to do that, we have to drop the standards. And slowly, over 30 years, but over 30 years, one student per class, the parents pull them out. It's not challenging enough. One teacher per school. This is not what I signed up for. At one time in California, a teacher credentialing commission said that within three years, 50% of teachers quit. Within five years, 75% of teachers quit young. More with entrepreneur, investor, and lifelong educator and author David Parker. Straight ahead. 
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon. It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with entrepreneur, investor, and lifelong educator and author, David Parker, straight ahead. Why why would it be why would it be difficult or why isn't it a case where um a multicultural curriculum is being taught at a very high quality standard? Fine. That's something else, but it's not. The students who are trying But to could it be? Could it be? Should it be? And and what is it we no. have to do to get it to be that way? Almost cannot. In, in theory, yes. But we have students from low social backgrounds whose parents are not talking to them from the ages from to zero to three. When human beings learn everything. At three, a three-year-old knows everything. Almost knows as much as an adult. They just can't express it. And their behavior doesn't look like they know anything. But they do. And those students, kids are entering kindergarten with a 25 to 4,500 word deficit, increasing through grade 12. David, do you think it's it's um, the uh, the fault of being in, in poverty, or is it no, the way that parents think or don't think about education? That, and I'll get in trouble again, I'm going to say... Black, black. Go ahead. I got your back, David. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a solo here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to regret this. But black, Latin, and Native American are come from an oral culture. All my years, I've taken students home. Oh. Hey, I don't see any. I don't see any books in your house. What is this? So that's the problem. They're coming from oral culture. They're not. They don't. And their parents are not talking. Um, difficult things to their children, you know, talking to them, not like kids, but like adults. They can't compete. And we've, public schools nationwide have dropped the standards down to the students at the bottom. We're going to bring them up, and so we, but we are catering to them, and the public schools are exactly that. We have public housing, public schools, public prisons. It's, uh, it's over. We're through as a nation except for the, uh, unless the public schools come back and, and to the extent that people are sending their kids to private schools now. Private schools are taking it over. But I, re- I resent that. As a teacher, I resent it. I, I, I watched my curriculum drop in half what I demanded the students. Made me sick. But isn't that, isn't that doing with education what a lot of people did with... Um, uh, oh, real estate development. Um, the the idea that um, people were leaving the city for for the suburbs to basically for reasons of racial avoidance. No, that isn't what's going. That isn't what's going on in the in the educational system as well. No, not today. No. With charter schools and private schools, aren't they yeah. essentially um, 
teaching the old way and not teaching an an, no. an inclusive no. No, uh, multicultural curriculum? No. The charter schools are not doing that much better than the public schools. I grew up in public schools. My kids went to public schools. I taught in public schools. I like public schools. I think kids should be together from all backgrounds and learn from each other and, and will develop a multiracial society. I'm a San Francisco conservative. I'm not some right-wing nut in that sense. <laughs> well, I, li- I liked public schools except for math. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we dropped the standards, and that's all there is to it. And when I was a kid, uh, all schools, teaching all students of all backgrounds, had standards, and if you didn't make it, you you dropped out. And we should. Or you kept it. up. Or yeah, excuse me, of course. Or you kept up, and and uh, we just have been catering to the lowest element, and the lowest element is coming from an oral background not going to work. And the charter schools are not doing any better than the public schools, particularly. I'm not, I'm not trying to bust the public schools. I'm trying to turn the schools around. Well, why, why go through all of the organizational and funding hassle of developing alternative schools and, and forms of education it's called grasping in the dark. If you're not going to raise the standards. Right. If you're not going to say, all right, you know, for for whatever social, political, cultural reason, educational quality is diminishing in public schools. So let's go make some good schools and pull our kids out and send them there. That's happening within the public schools. You have some schools, I'm in San Francisco, where they've filled up the schoolyard with bungalows for classrooms. Everybody wants to go to the schools. Instead of turning kids down, they're building more classrooms. You have some schools where the building is half empty, and other schools where the kids are overflowing onto the sidewalk. Parents know, get your kids into the, the public schools so you don't have to spend the money for a private school, that, are, that do keep the standards. There are some schools. In San Francisco, there are 10 out of 100 that really keep the standards. That's not, that's not a lot of schools. And, and, and people move to um, suburbs well, to get, to get what is the schools. What is the role of, of teachers and administrators if within a single district there are schools that live up and schools that don't? San Francisco... Maybe it's national news. I think it is. Threw away, threw out three board of education members. They recalled them in a, in a special election. And we just recalled the district attorney in a special election. Wouldn't believe it. San Francisco is saying, maybe, uh, maybe there's something to what I'm saying. Uh, those three members were advocating for a complete multicultural environment and uh, and it's all our fault, the teachers, if the kids aren't doing well. Citizens of the city says, wait a sec, that's probably not true. So, the, yeah, if you hold the standards, you're going to have kids who are not passing. And I invented a report card myself that says, stay with your grade level all the way through school, and you get a grade um, that says, based on the level that you're at. If you're in eighth grade and you're reading at the third grade, 
you might get a B in English, and you put next to it three. <laughs> if you were in the third grade, and you just keep going through, and you graduate high school, like most kids in San Francisco and, and in the nation today, reading about the third, fifth grade level. Silicon Valley can't hire those kids. At at what age? High school. The reading is because I remember. Working. Fifth grade level. I, I remember learning something when I when I studied journalism that, and this was a very long time ago because I'm pretty old. Um, at that have. at that time, <laughs> daily newspapers were written at was it a seventh grade reading level. Well, we might be similar age. I remember when I was a kid. Somewhere between 5th and 8th and grade reading level. But it wasn't because people couldn't read and comprehend at a higher grade level. It was to consume the information quickly. It was a thing that newspapers did to make them um, a little more instant. You know, because we didn't have the Internet yeah. and all that. Right, but the level of education was higher. There's been some Civil War programs recently. I'm not sure if it's the Ken Burns series or not. And it showed letters written by Civil War soldiers to uh, their, their spouses or their loved ones. And the level of the writing of the average soldier was astonishingly high, astonishingly sensitive. Yeah, I've I've read I some of shocked. those things. I was shocked. I, I've read some of those things, and and I know what you mean. I was especially um, moved by uh, the the caliber of writing and use of language in uh, yes. George Washington's uh, farewell address. It's it's just amazing. Now you would expect he was more educated than most, and uh, you know he was general and president and all of that. But it was there was just an eloquence that we don't see today, even in people who've achieved who've who've achieved as much. Uh, yes, we are we're operating at a lower standard. That's all there is to it. And maybe elementary school, which used to be eighth grade, that's it. Go through eighth grade, we don't. Then you go to work. Can't do high school work. Now I mentioned, you know, you play jazz bass, and and you take it very seriously. You yep. have played. Have you been playing throughout your life of forty years teaching? I played professional music my whole life. But I was in a classical world. I played French horn in the Berkeley Symphony. Before wow. for tw for twenty years, and we played very serious modern music. I don't know if you know modern composers like Stockhausen and and Schoenberg. And, and we played music like that. I was I was on a pretty high level and very challenging. And then uh, I decided I needed a little more. The French horn players sitting there counting one hundred and fifty four measures. Rest. <laughs> this is not what I came here for. Do Do you think of Aaron Copeland as? No. Okay. But that's a little yeah. That, Aaron Copeland is, is easy listening. Um, we're, we're talking stuff that people go, what is that? Uh, Mahler. Then I <laughs> that's, that's easy listening. It's beautiful. And I'm Mahler? Not, 
Yeah, well, for me, I'm so I'm so out there. But, um, I uh, made a change and I became a, a bass player, which I always played like a little bit in high school, a little bit in college. I just got very serious and I have some of the best musicians in town, and uh, I pay them pretty well. I'm subsidizing the band, to be honest, and we've headlined twice at the San Francisco Fillmore Jazz Festival. Well, let me let me clear up a couple of things real quick for the listeners. Um, while you were teaching, while you were playing bass, you also started I- investing in real estate. Did I read that right? Yeah, it's a little bit uh, overwhelming. And and a- in the process of doing all that, then you decided to go back to school and learn a little bit more about the world of finance but you managed to keep a foot in all three worlds and since i'm pretty sure you only have two feet you must have had to do some real dancing uh actually <laughs> four four worlds and a little bit of, i feel that's that i started to write i feel i had something to say i can't Right, so I'm not going to brag. And, but and then, been, so when well, when you're writing, very, you're writing essays. Are are you just tackling different topics and and then collect them as a group and publish that way? You no, know, this this organization too. The, the this newest book is serious. First third is serious, solidly historical. Uh, so there's an there's an overreaching theme. That the overreaching theme is uh, the founding fathers got it right. It's kind of what I'm saying in all my writing. I read and write three to five hours a day, and I have for the last 35 years. And I play music two or three hours a day, and I do business one hour a day. And I'm not teaching, but I'm doing podcasts now and uh, other things. So I'm very very focused, and uh, I, I started to write, and my wife said to me, I think you should take a class in economics. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped. I went to Golden Gate University in San Francisco and took 67 units straight and got a master's in economics after I made a fortune in real estate. Not, I didn't want to know how to do it. I wanted to know how I did it. <laughs> it's a difference. I've been very, I don't want to say anything, very successful. In real I have an intuition for real estate acquisition. I own office buildings, industrial buildings, large-scale apartment buildings, hundreds of units, over the top. So basically you got a master's degree so that when people ask you how you made your money, you could explain it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my writing, what appeals, what's appealing in my writing, I think, is even if it's scholarly, it doesn't sound like an academic. I sound like a person in business. My examples are from business and from life and from teaching and from playing music and, and deals that I've done in business. It, it rings so much different, and that's been the attraction to my book, or I hope will be the attraction to my book. But, um was yep. your first book, Income and Wealth, um, was that essays as well? In a, sense, in a sense, they are. But I, I write, and it's not 
with an outline, and then I realize, oh, this whole thing is going here. Or I put these here, put these here, and then I have three or four clear, in both books, three or four clear sections, and they do all come together as if I had had an outline when I started. But I like to write spontaneously because I get my best thoughts, and then I put, then there's always a pattern to it, and my themes come through. My themes are that we should have limited government, that the Founding Fathers got it right, and that we don't have limited government. We have regulation and taxation. The middle class pay for everything. You never hear the rich complaining. Cortez goes to the Museum of Modern Art, or, or the Met in New York, and with a white designer dress and written in blood on the back, tax the rich. The rich are laughing. Can't, or Bernie Sanders is talking. The rich are laughing. You can't tax the rich and you can't tax the poor. Everything is paid for by middle class. And well, I, I, and, and now here's where I get in trouble. <laughs> it, it seems then that it would make sense that we have a bigger middle class. Oh, we do. We have, a big, we have a huge middle class. They're just paying for everything. That's why we can afford it. No, I mean bigger than it is. No, it is big. This country, the bottom 5% live better than most of the world, than 95% of the rest of the world. It's all, it's all relative. The poor people are complaining they, don't have, they only have two TVs or they only have one car. And the air conditioning is not working today. And the running water and cold water and sewage and health care. I know. I've heard, I've, I've heard the argument that, that in some of the third world countries. Uh, they'd be um, happy to be living here. They'd be happy to have a refrigerator. Right. Um, excuse me. I... Um, Usually, I'm the person who balks. <laughs> this time, the host is balking. That's good. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I had a little frog in my throat. Um, okay. But we're we're getting close. We are pretty much running out of time, David. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface. And I'm enjoying talking with you very much. What I would like to do, as I do with all of the guests on my show, is uh, give you an opportunity to share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you can share? Yes. DavidParkerEssays.com And you can purchase my books there, and you can see some samples of other writing that you might like. And you can find the podcast from there probably as well. Uh, I have a publicist, and I guess they haven't set that up yet. I'm just starting to do these podcasts. I never thought about that. That's a good idea. And you can buy my books directly by going Amazon if you want to. They pop up right away. Well, David, is it is it true that... Um that the saying that you're not really a fan of the band if you don't know the bass player's name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my editor, when I first met him, an Occupy Wall Street kind of guy, he says he would never take a person like me except that I back up my stuff so well he can't turn me down. It's a nice compliment. So, so I'm a bass player. He says, "Oh yeah, a bass solo." <laughs> Yawn. <laughs> that was a perfect. I never heard anything better. I keep That's that in fun. mind. Don't don't play don't play dumb bass solos. 
Don't play oh, a lot of funny. notes and nobody can hear what you're doing. Well, David, it's been a real pleasure talking with you and um you know, I hope we get together again and, and talk some more. Um but in the in the meantime, thanks for spending this time with me and the listeners and keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. As I told you last time, if you're in San Francisco, let me know. You come. I want you to come sit in. Oh, I would love to do that. Play a little. <laughs> of course, you know, I I play easy listening to music. I'd I'd want to play like swinging shepherd blues or something. Okay, we'll play life young. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, David. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Bye. Bye. Yeah, and that was um, the author of. A San Francisco Conservative, books one and two. He also wrote uh, Income and Wealth. Very interesting guy, David Parker, uh, school teacher, jazz bass player, writer, and um, entrepreneur, considers himself a San Francisco Conservative. The names of uh, two of his books, book one and book two, a San Francisco Conservative. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
birds are jangling your hair Why did summer go so quickly? Was there something that you said? Love was warm along the shore Leave the footprints in the sand And is the sound of distant drumming Just the fingers of your hand And pictures hanging in a hole We are the fragment of our song Have remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong? And when you knew that it was over Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning reel As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program with a little jazz. Kind of in honor of our last guest, who is a jazz bassist, author, uh, entrepreneur, investor, school teacher, and San Francisco conservative. David Parker, my guest this last hour. And uh, before that, we talked with um, a really interesting guy, Mark uh, 
uh, Rubinstein, or Rubinstein rather, a novelist, physician, and psychiatrist who's written a number of books, including his most recent, which is Assassin's Lullaby. We started out the show today with uh, Mary Alice Monroe talking about her book for young readers called Search for Treasure. And uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun too. Anyway, it's uh, kind of gone flying by today. Already we're up to, uh, it's gone flying by all week. We're already up to Friday. But tomorrow we have something special on the show. We're going to um, drop the interviews for the day and uh, pull out uh, several of the uh, old-time radio scripts that the Tom Sumner Program studio players uh, put together um, from royalty-free scripts. And so tomorrow we're going to have, well, it should be kind of interesting. Let me see if I can... Oh yeah, we got Flash Gordon and uh, and of course the Bickersons, but we'll also have uh, Dragnet and um, the Maltese Falcon and something from Sherlock Holmes, a five-minute mystery. We got a lot of good stuff, and it's it's kind of a old-time radio marathon, if you will, featuring um, some of the people that have been involved with the show. Over the years, uh, Wes Whitaker, uh, Randy Zimmerman, Randy or uh, Rhonda Groves Young, Sean Cantwell, Dane Walling, just uh, to name a few. I think well, that's a pretty good chunk of them because a lot of people doubled up on parts. But but anyway, um, join us for a special edition of uh, our old time radio marathon: three hours of nonstop uh, radio plays, if you will. Anyway, there's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I will be back with some old-time radio for you tomorrow. Non-stop, our old-time radio marathon. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.